Smarter, presented by Calabrio, where we discuss contact center industry trends and best practices, as well as sharing success stories and pain points with some of the most innovative professionals in the industry. We're glad you're joining us to learn and grow together in order to provide world-class customer service to each and every one of our clients. My name is Dave Hookstra, and I'm the product evangelist here at Calabrio. And my guest today, I'm very excited to have Precious Booker. She is the Director of Operations and Customer Experience Engagement for Zappos. Maybe you've heard of Zappos. Zappos is a, is a brand that uh, really kind of cuts the forefront of the customer experience uh, edge. And we're very excited to have Precious here to join us today. And what I'm particularly interested to start off, Precious, is can you give us a little bit of a taste of how you got here, right? We always like to ask our guests where you come from. And, you know, it's funny how we hear the, the we hear a lot of common themes and, and how people kind of get into the workforce management, contact center uh, management piece. So uh, regale us with the tale of how Precious arrived at where she is today. Of course. Uh, thanks for having me on, Dave. I'm so excited to be here. Um, I probably took one of the most unconventional paths to get here. Um, I've always naturally been really good at science and math. So my mom obviously wanted me to be a doctor or a lawyer. Um, and I decided to go to school for communications to become a radio DJ. Ah. <laughs> so that's where I started. Uh, and then I bartended on the side um, to make some extra money while I was DJing. But then I quickly realized that there was no job security in being a radio DJ and went back to my roots of math and went to school for accounting. Um, and then uh, when I started at Zappos specifically, I actually had the goal of going to our corporate finance team, uh, but I stumbled into our workforce management team a few months after starting at Zappos and worked my way up on that team over the next goodness, I've been here almost 12 years. Uh, so I've done everything from scheduling to workforce planning to forecasting to the data analytics, everything that you could possibly think of under workforce management I've done through Zappos and I've been pretty homegrown uh, at Zappos. But fortunately for me, the, the numbers and the data come pretty easily. Uh, they make me excited, uh, but I still love uh, the people piece and figuring out how to, to, to break the trends of workforce management and not have as much control on the workforce management team or the leaders, but how to share that responsibility with our team members and get their buy-in to be as uh, tied as closely as possible to the accomplishments of the call center and that they have a piece of that pie of understanding what their contributions are and what they do matters, because it really is the most important job, uh, not only at Zappos, but for every call center, being on the front line and talking to customers all day, every day is, is hard. It's exhausting, yes. uh, but it's also rewarding, right? When you get to help that customer doing whatever you, they needed, or maybe even what they didn't know they needed, uh, but making sure that we can put as many tools and flexibility to our team members as possible is, is super important. And that's how I approach our workforce management mindset. Uh, and I'm, I'm super excited to be able to do that. It's, it's funny because I might be the exact opposite of you. I hated math, hated math in school. Like just was like, I was the kid that never even turned in his homework. He hated math so much. I, I don't know how I made it from grade to grade, to be honest, because I just flat out refused to do my math homework. I hated it so much. I liked the people aspect of kind of workforce management and actually ended up enjoying some of the math parts, but thankfully Excel did all the math work for me that I, that I was terrible at. Now I'm actually interested. I want to dig a little deeper. When you say you kind of started in the finance team and you stumbled across workforce management, how, what did that, pro, what did that look like? 
Well, I didn't actually. I started in the call center. My goal was to make it to the finance team. That was Ah. my my dream goal was to go be an accountant at Zappos. As Uh, most kids grow up dreaming of uh, being. Right. Uh, I mean, once I decided to grow up and get a real job, uh, that's not fair. Radio DJ is also a very hard job. Uh, It's a lot of fun. I miss it. It was a great it was a great time. Uh, But um, once I decided to get into a corporate career, that was my goal was to get into to Zappos. I fell in love with Tony and uh, delivering happiness and everything that they stood for. And I didn't care what I did. But once I got in, my, my long-term goal was to get into finance um, using my accounting degree and all of those things. But um, honestly, I, like I said, I fell in love with the people and, and the call center itself. And I thought that I could make bigger of a difference there. And being able to get the opportunity on our workforce management team was, was priceless and being able to, to work my way up there and learn from there. And the bright side is I get to work with my finance team on a regular basis. So it's the best of both worlds. There you go. You, you made it, right? You did exactly right. what you set out to do. Now, uh, what did that, what did the team look like? I mean, this is, you know, going on, like you said, 12, you know, 11, 12 years ago. What, what did the team and the process look like back then? Like, like when you first kind of came into it, reflecting back on it, what did the workforce management, the scheduling pieces kind of look like back then? How were things done? Great question. Uh, our team was split into two teams. We had one area focused on our, we called it the stat team. They were focused on the metrics and forecasting and um, building out reporting. And then we had our planning and scheduling team, which is what I had started out on. So we did real-time management, looking at the queues in real time, making sure that we had our resources where they needed to be, move them where necessary, scheduling all meetings, uh, team meetings, one-on-ones, activities, scheduling those into our workforce management tool that we used at the time. But overall, it was very manual. We didn't mm-hmm. have a lot of resources. It was all mostly done in Excel. It was a lot of trial and error. Um, and we didn't necessarily have all of the the historical metrics or data that we now use. Uh, so it was definitely uh, a growth in leaning on data and being able to figure out how to use the historicals to be able to predict the future, even more so than just j- for, uh, forecasting for call volume, right? But what does it do when we close for an all hands? Like we close our entire company down. So what's that that impact for the next days that come in from that? Where that's not seasonality, but people might still need to call in. So then that brings up extra volume for the the following days. That's not something that we had historically been so good at predicting twelve years ago. But now I would say that we've done much better at doing that. Yeah, it's it's actually really funny to hear because most of the most of the great WFM leaders of today all have that that part in their story of oh my god it was the worst we struggled we we everything was gut instinct and we were just we were making it up as we went along and you know but I think that's that's all you can do right if anybody who comes in and has every button automatically push and every day that you don't learn the instincts and the things that make good leaders out of a WFM team. So I think that's great, you know, and I, I, I have yet to find anyone who is working in a leadership role in a workforce management uh, position that has said, yeah, the day I got there, all I did was click this forecast button and it all just worked. Right. It's always, right? there's always a lot of struggle and a lot of Excel <laughs> involved in it. Like build your own forecasting model. Uh, okay. Sure. Whatever that takes. Right. And so uh, kind of continuing on, like compare and contrast the way we do things today versus then. Right. Uh, what are some things about the way we do things today that 
are significantly better and then maybe even something that might be significantly worse than the way we used to do things? I think for us, leaning into a a culture of data has made it so much easier to be able to do things that we haven't been able to do. Where, Let me give you an example of knowing what's important to team members, for example, for scheduling, right? Like we're very customer centric and employee centric first. Um, but if we're working on, Oh, everybody wants four tens cause they'd love an extra day off. Right. Mm-hmm. Like that sounds like a great idea, but if we actually rolled that out without trying to get some buy-in and some data from our employees, we might accidentally create very burnt out and very tired employees who don't want to work super long days because it does, it's not worth it to them to have this third day off, right? Because now I have to recover for all of those days. Four tens is not for the faint of heart, right? Especially never, as a frontline employee. I will never forget when I switched to four tens and you know, you see those three days off and you just think, oh, this is going to be great. And then those first few days that your body gets to that seven and a half, eight hour mark and you look and you're like, oh my gosh, I still have two hours left to go. It was a real like eye opening experience. Like, all right, this, this maybe is not built for everyone. Yeah. But if we, I mean, mathematically, right? Like, oh, it's easy to do that. Like I could make a case operationally why four tens is the right way to go and be a great employee experience and all of those things. But is it without trying to get to the, what do employees want? uh, What is their satisfaction of working four tens versus not? So making sure that they have choices uh, is super important, but being able to have access to that data and knowing that it's okay to ask your employees what their sentiment is and have them know that it matters Mm. um, is super important. So I think that's one thing that we do. I don't even want to say differently because I do think that we've always valued that input, but I I do think that we're using it in ways better than we ever have before, Um, which is super exciting. I would say what's more complicated uh, is the call center hasn't gotten any less complicated in 12 years and that's across (laughs) the board, right? Like before it was chat and email and phones and now we have sms and we have social and like there's all these ways to reach out to a a business at all right um so adding in organically and and unintentionally in some ways all these ways for our customers to contact us just adds extra layers of staffing and training and and uh that i think over complicates not only our, our team members processes, but definitely the workforce management processes and figuring out how to balance all of those things that you didn't have to 12 years ago. I, I imagine it's probably even especially more difficult for you because you know Zappos is seen as an organization that should be very tech uh, on the forefront, right? Um, and and you know, I can imagine people saying, what do, you, what do you mean I can't contact Zappos via WhatsApp? I mean, why would why can't they do that, right? And so I imagine you guys probably have to spend a little bit more time and attention into what channels you do have available than most other organizations simply because of who you are. Yeah, we do. We are very purposeful and we – it's exciting because we do really have so many ways for customers to reach out to us. Like we do have SMS, we still have chat, we still have email, uh, we still have phones, we're still open 24 seven, all of those things are super important to us. Um, But when we 
broached going into SMS, we did it very diligently and making sure that we didn't lose our Zappos voice by going in and going into that type of contact channel. Um, so that's been our most recent type of contact channel. And it's been almost the most exciting uh, because chat or texting with somebody is just so much more informal in some ways. So we get to showcase our Zappos personality even more in SMS, uh, which is pretty exciting. But that's also that instant gratification for a customer that they can meet us when they want to meet with us, where an email, you can go back and forth a million times before you get a resolution. And that might happen in a text message, but it doesn't feel like you did 20 emails to get to a resolution. It was one conversation, right? right. Uh, so being able to deliver uh an even better version of customer service. SMS is a huge win, in my opinion. And as a, a millennial, uh, I would rather text in with a, a company than chat or call or email. So I'm super excited that we have SMS as a functionality for our contact channel. As a Gen Xer myself, it kind of makes me sweat a little bit. I, I, <laughs> I still, I still like a good solid phone conversation, but that's that's probably because I'm an extrovert and I just want to. I'll, I'll talk to people until their ears fall off, uh, and so I, I like to be the one that kind of freaks them out about knowing how contact centers work. I'm the guy that's like, so what scheduling program do you use? You know, and they're like, what? Uh, I don't even know who you are. So that's, uh, but I, I, I do agree with you. Right. Um, my, you know, my wife loves the different communication channels and it's funny. You, you, you talked about the Zappos voice just recently in a few contexts that I've had with, uh, with one, one brand over the last few weeks, They've mentioned how we've got your back. It's it's kind of showing up in their script, like we've got your back or I've got your back, and it's it's kind of funny how you know uh, you see the way organizations are trying to retain that that friendly voice, that that conversational uh, discussion, and so yeah, I've definitely noticed that. So it's good to hear that uh, Zappos is kind of able to retain that as well. Although I'm all about uh, a good solid LOL in a conversation with a customer service agent, so. <laughs> Yes, you'll definitely have to try texting with us next time that you need any service. You'll get some quite some good emojis and uh, quite the conversation. With I love folks. it. You know, no, nothing nothing like a good cry laughing emoji to kind of really set the tone for uh, for what we're discussing. So, um, do me a favor for those who might be uh, a, a little curious. Give us a little bit of an overview of how what what the setup for you guys looks like. We have a few hundred employees in the U.S. that handle our phones and SMS contacts, um, and we still offer chat and email, um, although those are currently outsourced. The, the agents that you guys employ, you know, Zappos has always been seen as a real customer experience-centric organization, but you're also starting to get a reputation as an employee-centric one, right? And so what, what kind of decisions have led to you guys focusing a lot on your employee experience and, you know, how, how to retain good talent? Honestly, that employee centric mindset is what brought me to Zappos to start with, right? We believe that if you take care of your employees, they take care of your customers, right? So having that be the forefront of all of our decisions uh, is something that excites me every day and why I'm still at Zappos after all of these years. Um, I love being able to be a people first mindset uh, and figuring out that balance because there's still a job to be done at the end of the day, right? What's that balance of having the right headcount and scheduled at the right places um, and making sure that we have the right people doing that? And how do you balance that all together by making happy employees. Um, and from a workforce management piece, I think that that's really challenging. It's been 
a super passion project for, for me for quite a few years around how do I get employees to be able to work whenever they want to, right? And in a call center, that's not completely possible, right? In a project-based work, it is. You can work when there is work, you can make your own schedule, but when the hours that you need to work or the work that you're doing is time, right? When are customers calling us? And that's when you need to be there and present. How do we give that autonomy to employees to be able to work when is best for them, right? Um, so that has been something that's been super important to our workforce management team for probably eight of the 12 years that I have worked uh, here. And one of the reasons that we actually chose to go with Calabria was that there there was some flexibility options and scheduling that we hadn't been able to see in other uh, workforce management tools. At one point, we tried to build our own, uh, which was super awesome. And it did work, but it's a lot of maintenance to be able to do that. Uh, so we, we chose to try to find a tool that already existed to be able to, to build that in. Uh, and even looking forward, like into the pandemic and, and coming out of the pandemic and into the great resignation, I did a lot of research personally to find out what made employees happy, right? Uh, and almost all surveys that you could see what why people work, obviously for a paycheck, they want compensated, they want compensated fairly. I can't really control that or my team can't really control that at a workforce right. management. But the other piece that they were super passionate about invested in is their schedule. If they had the schedule that they wanted and they got to have the work-life balance that they wanted, or they got to do all the things that they needed to do, but have that schedule that made their life be what they wanted it to be, they actually didn't care if they made a little less. Now, I'm not advocating <laughs> to pay people less. That is not at all what I'm saying. But as a workforce management team, that is directly in our control. Uh, we can figure out ways to give different scheduling options, um, to our employees. And honestly, it's better for the operation anyways. If you're trying to fit the same size Lego pieces to build out a call center model, you're going to have lots of extra staffing where you don't need it. And you're going to be understaffed in other intervals where you shouldn't be because you're trying to make all of these one size pieces fit into building this perfect Lego model. And that doesn't work when they're all the same pieces, right? You need different size Legos to build this amazing sculpture or whatever it is that you want to build. Sorry, I have lots of Legos all over my desk. So that's the no, analogy I that I have. It. You cannot build uh, the Lego Millennium Falcon with a bunch of big blocks of pieces, right? right? It requires lots of little tiny pieces. How and, like, and traditionally, like you get five eighths or four tens. And even like that gives you some flexibility and that gives you some different Lego pieces. But really, how do I solve for... For single parents, are people going back to school or ones who have other part-time jobs, right? Like that they want to still work where they're at, but they want some flexibility around their schedule. But there's also, we talked earlier about how there's this dem different demographic of customers, right? Like as a millennial, I'd rather text in mm -hmm. than call in and you'd rather call in than text in. But we not only have so many different demographics and ages and preferences of customers, we also have that for our employees, right? So there's so many people who are like, I just want to know when I'm working every day, I want the same schedule, I never want it to change. And they want the five eights or the four tens, and they never want their schedule to change. But then there's also this group of people who are like, I don't care what I'm working next week. I just want to know that if I get the concert tickets, I can go and I don't have to worry about calling off or find somebody else to cover for me or whatever that case may be. And it gives us so many options operationally for a call center if we can build that in because we can let people pick their schedule where we have a need and i that is i think the key piece of flexible scheduling is the employee needs to have availability and the the company needs to have availability it doesn't work if an employee is working whenever they want to work but there isn't a customer mm -hmm. need 
and it doesn't work if the employee is not working when there's a customer need because you're still short staffed. So building in specific parameters and allowing people to, to work. I mean, I know we'll go into more details. So that was kind of a high level of where <laughs> we're at. No, that's <laughs> Let's, let's keep going. Let's keep going in that because, you know, whereas my brain is sitting here going, well, you got four tens and you got five eights. Why not 10, three and a halves? Right. But that's that, but even that is a, it's putting people into a box. And so what have you guys done that removes the, removes the edges of the box? I'm really interested in kind of like if I were a Zappos employee and I came in, what are the things you have available for them to be able to do these types of things? Choice, right? Uh, so we, we do bids uh, every couple of months, um, but we let our employees choose what they're bidding into. So they could bid in, uh, we broken it up into three different boxes so they can have a full schedule scheduled. So that could be the four eights or five tenths, no, five eights or four tenths. Or they can still participate in the bid and get one of those shifts. And, but we, then cut off 20 or 10 hours. We call it a core shift. Mm -hmm. Um, One of the lessons we learned is knowing what their core shift or putting in some guardrails to what their core shift was. So when we started, we said, you got to choose whatever hours you wanted to drop, um, which didn't necessarily build um, the best employee or customer experience because we had extra shortages. People either dropped their weekend day. They're like, oh, if I get a weekend day, I'll just drop that weekend and then I'll pick up during the week. But that didn't help get our weekend coverage. (laughs) Um, So we put in parameters that they can't drop whole days and they have to be more on the bookends. If they have a bookend hour, they can't drop the early or the late. They'd have to drop in the middle of the day. As you know, almost always you have the biggest amount of extra flexibility in the middle of your day when all those schedules overlap, right? Uh, So Knowing that uh, a little bit better on what the behaviors happened once we did open up that Pandora's box of letting them drop whatever they wanted for those core hours, putting in guardrails and correcting that was super important. So that was definitely a miss that we had to begin with. But having that data to be able to explain to our employees that this is why we made that change is super helpful. So it was a a mistake worth making. Uh, And then the final box is complete self-scheduling. So they don't know their schedule uh, until two weeks in advance is when we open up those hours and then they can pick up whatever hours they want up to the 40 hours. Uh, They can pick it up same day. They don't have to pick it up uh, two weeks in advance. That's just when it opens. Um, And same for the the core folks. They pick up their self-scheduled hours uh, within two weeks in advance, Uh, but they can pick it up. I think it's actually down to the minute beforehand. So as long as they sign up beforehand, um, which is great for folks who have doctor's appointments, right? Like, or they don't know when they're going to have doctor's appointments um, or if they feel okay to work that day, right? If they, it actually saves them some sick time and vacation time because they're not signing up for hours that they have to go and then knock off for whatever reason. So you're talking about they're they're editing kind of their start times and their stop times all, almost in real time is is <laughs> is what it what it boils down to. Now, do you see a trend where the agents take more do how often are they fulfilling their full 40? Always. Um, because we have, we have put in the correct guardrails, right? So if they don't work their 40 hours, that does impact their attendance policy and their, their hours in that way. Um, but they have up until the last minute of that, that week to be able to, to complete those 40 hours. They know in advance, um, where they're at, they have the, in Collaborio, they can see exactly how many hours they're at so that it's easy for them to manage. Um, but they, we have not, 
I don't, I do not believe that we have lost any employee to not working their full 40 hours. Okay. Well, my brain actually goes, well, what if you don't need them? But it kind of sounds like you always need them. Is that? (laughs) Um, I mean, we do have unpaid time off options for lower uh, volume weeks so that people, any, but that applies to anyone. So if they're the full schedule, the self-scheduled or the core scheduled, um, they would be able to utilize unpaid time off as available anyways. But that would be something that for folks in full scheduling, if we don't have a need, they would not need to work a full 40 hours. Okay. And what about like, Interest shift, right? Are they utilizing the breaks and lunch move uh, capability as well? Uh, yes, yes, they are, and they honestly they love that. That's actually one of their favorite features of Calabrio is being able to move their breaks and lunches. Um, so they can still use that in the full self scheduling as well if they're scheduled enough hours to require a break. Uh huh. Okay. Now here's, here's kind of the $64,000 question, which is an old school throwback. I guess a million dollar question now. I don't know. $64,000 isn't that much money anymore. It used to be, but the, uh, you, you said you did a lot of research on, you know, employees and, and what they want out of their relationship with their employer and what, what keeps people engaged and retained and happy. Um, is this working is really kind of the question that, that we're seeing. What kind of feedback have you seen and you know, what kind of, uh, what kind of anecdotal information can you share about this policy and the way it's working for you guys? For sure. We've definitely seen a massive decrease in having schedules be cited for exit leavings when our employees are leaving on their own. Um, We also have more people each shift bid sign up for the core shift or the self-scheduling, which is pretty fascinating because people are like, oh, it works. I I like, I see my my team members doing this and it works for their life because there's a lot of people who are like, wait, I don't have a set schedule. I don't know when I'm working. Um, That seems scary to me. But as they're seeing other people do it and they're having no problems with it and they're loving it because they have that flexibility added to their life. Um, We have more people each shift bid sign up, which is pretty exciting. Um, We do allow people to switch their schedule model uh, each month if they chose to, um, but we don't have a lot of people who change in the middle of a shift bid, which is is also pretty cool. Um, But we wanted people to feel safe to try it and not be like, oh my God, I have to commit for the next six months of the schedule that I don't know if I like, I've never done anything like this before. Right. Uh, so we wanted to make sure that there were some guardrails and a safety net for our employees so that they weren't just trapped into something that didn't work for them. So, uh, you know, because I'm not always just about the raw, raw, super positive, I'll ask kind of the other direction. Are there detractors? Are there people that don't like this? And, And if there are like, what are the reasons they're citing why this might not be optimal for them? For some, I would say, people who don't get a bid that they wanted in the shift bid. So maybe they got that Saturday, right. That they don't want to work. Uh, They're like, Oh, I'll just sign up for full self scheduling. So then I can work whatever hours I want Monday through Friday. And in high volume times, that's a great solution for them because there's almost always availability, right? But when right. there's lower volumes and the seasonality that comes with call centers, it's very eye-opening to them when they're like, oh crap, there isn't enough hours that I want to work. <laughs> yeah. uh, and now I have no control about when I do work and all of those things. Um, so kind of walking employees to this isn't the model for you um, without mm-hmm. taking away their feeling of control uh, has been... I'd say one of our biggest challenges, but we, I think we've done a really good job of, of painting and showcasing like this, you could have either have a set schedule and you know, 
what you're doing each week or you don't, right? And here's what that risk is and what that cost is. Like if you can never work on a Monday night, then this schedule maybe might not be for you because there might be Monday nights that that's the only time that there's available for you to pick up, right? Right. Um, So picking the shift that best fits their needs. So we do have some folks who... As I said earlier, we let the, the, the schedules open two weeks in advance uh, that they stay up till midnight so that they can pick their schedules and they have first dibs. And we get overwhelming it's, feedback about, hey, I have to stay up till midnight to pick your schedule. And we're like, if you are staying up till midnight to pick your schedule, then this isn't a schedule for you. This isn't a model that is actually good for you. And the reality is having a set model or four eights or five tenths. I keep saying that backwards. Five eights or four tens uh, might be a better fit. Or even we can still do uh, unique schedules. You mentioned like the, we could do three twelves, right? And then the rest, like we could still have other set schedules that would still work for them and and the business. So we do have some options there, but when it comes to the bids, we do traditional and then we get more unique uh, as people have requests. That's that's awesome, and you like I think about waiting in line for concert tickets back when I was younger, right? It's like uh, yeah, oh, I gotta, I gotta. Okay, my last question about this, and I promise we'll we'll talk about something else. But um, the one of the things that I when talking to people who are thinking about doing these self scheduling types of models is um, trust in the system being able to make that decision for them, kind of relinquishing control to uh, you know basically an algorithm, right? Uh, how has that process worked for you guys? Did it, did it take a while to kind of build trust in the system and then understand exactly how it's going to work or was it right from the beginning? It worked. Um, I think once we switched to Collabora, we didn't have as much hesitancy because we had been trying something like this for, for quite a while, uh, mm-hmm. albeit manually and in our own processes. But I thinking back to when we started rolling out, like, full self-scheduling and you get to decide when you're working as, oh my God, I was terrified, right? Like mm-hmm. how, how do you know people are going to show up when you need them to show up and all right. of these things? Uh, I think the proper guardrails and expectations, not only for your employees, but for your own self uh, is what makes that successful. So what are you willing to accept? What are you not willing to accept? Um, Having like how I mentioned earlier that we had to rein back a little bit of no, you can't just drop your Saturday because if you got a Saturday, that means that we needed you here on that Saturday. You can drop some of your hours on Saturday, but you can't drop the whole thing because that doesn't actually solve what we need. Because, again, Mm -hmm. it needs to be a perfect fit of the customers have a need and the employees also have a need or a desire to work during those times. Right. Um, but if there aren't customers calling at the time that you want to work, then you don't get to work. Right. <laughs> Cause there's not right. a need for you there. Um, so, but building in those proper expectations and guardrails from all fronts, um, and showcasing, even just sharing what the volume looks like, right? Like some people on the on, on frontline employees have never seen a forecast of like, this is where all the contacts come in and just showing that with your team members to be like, this is where we decide and how we need you and kind of letting them have a peek behind the curtain of how those decisions are made, help them make the right decisions, right? So yeah. guardrails you, and a transparency. 
It's funny, you've mentioned it a couple of times, and actually this was going to be my next point and you led straight into it, was how many times throughout our conversation today you've mentioned explaining things to the agents. And this is less of a question and more of me getting up on the soapbox for everyone who's listening. This stuff works, you guys. It works when people understand why you make the decisions that you make, right? When we're making these decisions in a vacuum and they seem arbitrary to people. But when you when you show them, like, guys, this is the forecast. This is it. Look, it says right here exactly how many people I need to be successful. And if all of you want that day off, I will not be successful. So you can see my conundrum here. And I think it's great. Uh, I was wondering, do you guys have a systematic approach to kind of showing them this information? Or is this uh, kind of whenever as needed? I'd say more whenever as needed. I'd love to be at a place that I'm more systematic. Um, and at some point we'll get there. Um, but it's definitely more as needed. Um, we do what we call ops open houses. We have a Slack channel that's open all the time. So when people have questions that they can come in and ask whenever are, are needed, we do round tables, we do quarterly sentiment surveys, but that's not just for the operation that's across for the entire uh-huh. department. So all of our, our training leaders all everything is is fair game when it comes to the sentiment survey so we we go out looking for feedback um and we do our best to implement that as much as possible in what our ongoing strategy is right uh obviously not all ideas can take flight we've definitely have had people like you should never have an attendance policy i'd love to be in a world where we don't need an attendance policy right uh we've actually tried that it didn't work uh but we do have a very lax uh, attendance policy and it's it's no fault and people get to use it how they they deem fit and that came partly from feedback from our employees to make sure that we were getting what they needed right and even before we rolled out our self scheduling we spent uh, quite a few weeks meeting with every team and saying what is because when we asked them what they wanted they're like we want flexibility and we want stability and I'm like those are opposites. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so we want what, black and we want white. Uh, right. yeah. So what does that mean to you? Right. Uh, and that's, I mean, it, it just proved the case even more that it's not a one size fits all. Um, so how do we be able to bucket those? We can't have unlimited options because it still has to be manageable, which is why we have three sets of buckets that folks can choose essentially. Um, but getting that feedback and, and having them be a participant in the conversation is super important to that buy-in, um, but it helps build that trust. It helps them understand what their responsibility is. Uh, and it's it's actually really cool to just be talking with the folks that your decisions are impacting on the daily basis to truly understand what that impact is. Um, so. Sorry, I guess I'd correct myself. We do have processes in place, but it also is as necessary. <laughs> sure. No, absolutely. I mean, that's there's never a, you know, there's no absolutes when it comes to this kind of thing. And, you know, I, I'm just super happy that we're to a point in not just contact centers, but employer-employee relationships where this is a thing, right? Uh, when I first started back in the day, I'm sure there were empl- there were organizations that did that, but contact centers were very much sit down, shut up, take calls, and you'd be happy that you have a job, which I was, right? I was super thrilled. I and you know, looking at the way things are now, you know, we we kind of. We we managed and we survived the the great resignation or the great reshuffling and now the 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 tool is more about all right how can we really make this to where we are retaining these people for a long mm-hmm. long time who are very good at what they do and it's it's great to see what you guys are doing with that so I am just absolutely 
gobsmacked with how awesome you guys are handling this. And it's really great to see not only the way you're doing it, but the the way Calabrio can kind of help along with that uh, with that journey as well. So I will definitely say, Precious, it's been wonderful having you uh, as of the, the podcast. And I'm, I'm super excited to kind of see the continuation of Zappos' story and how you guys are continuing to work. And, you know, I'm sure that uh, we'll have many more conversations as the as the time goes on. But I do say, uh, typically as part of the podcast, I, I like to give the guest our final word. So uh, espouse some wisdom. Let us know uh, what's going on or anything you'd like to say out there to maybe someone who uh, is thinking of considering workforce management as a career or something you'd like to say. So the floor is yours. Give us the final word. Awesome. Um, definitely. I think I, I touched on it mostly here the whole time anyways, but your employee's voice matters, right? Rather you're a supervisor and a leader in, in, in what they're doing, or you're a part of the workforce management team, or you're a C-suite, whatever you are, your employee's voice matters. Um, and, ask for it regularly because it's going to make you better. It's going to make them better and it's going to make your whole company better on an ongoing basis. So that would be my parting wisdom for everyone in business. Amen. Amen. And I'm, I'm right there with you. So, well, thank you precious for joining us here on the working smarter podcast. It's been a fantastic pleasure having you here with us. Uh, for those of you out there that listen, we always appreciate the time you spend with us as always. If you would want to be a guest on the Calabrio podcast or would like to suggest a topic, please let us know just, to send us an email, marketing at calabrio.com, and we'll be glad to uh, put that idea into consideration. So huge thank you to Precious. Thank you for joining us today, Precious. Thank you for having me, Dave. This has been fun. Absolutely. For the rest of you out there, we uh, look forward to seeing you on the next episode of Working Smarter. As always, have a great rest of your day, a great rest of your week, and we'll talk to you soon on the next episode of Working Smarter from Calabrio. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, everybody.